Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hooligan Report. I'm your host as always, SM, and joining me I have JD2010. Hey, yeah. I have Dr. Boyan. Hi, guys. And I've also got Tradespert. Evening, guys. Well, it's been a good first week back in the Premier League this season, and um, a couple of our sides got off to wins, and a couple of our sides drew with each other. So um, we'll start with the first game of the season, which was... Hull up against Leicester, and it was um, a fairly unpredictable result, I must say. Um, how did you guys see it, first of all, and then I'll add my thoughts about it. Oh, uh, I can kick us off. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, I was just going to say it cost me every multi I had, so <laughs> I don't want to say too much. <laughs> I actually thought it was a good game for a neutral supporter. Um, considering that just uh, last week we were talking about Hull City breaking the record for the lowest points ever in a season. All right, well, <laughs> this dropped I out. Why don't I carry on? Um, I think two things were were noticeable from this game. Firstly, how much Leicester missed Madolo Kante and how they were forced to really build their attacks through the wings as opposed to straight down the middle as they did last season. And secondly how much that they're going to Leicester are going to struggle if teams sit deep on them. It won't be the same as last yeah. season where teams would come out and think, oh, they're just Leicester, we, we can beat them. It's going to be more, you know, teams will show them a, a lot more respect and they won't want to let Vardy and guys like Damari Gray and, and Mares get through on goal with balls over the top in, into space. So teams will sit deep and Leicester might struggle until they can work their way through that. Well, it's amazing that, um, and it was pointed out, I think, in the post-match by Henri, that uh, it's amazing that sides last season didn't sit deep on Leicester and deny uh, Vardy that sort of space that he required to make those runs behind defences. And, and we, our defence sat quite deep, and, and it worked quite well. And I think he actually had his least touches ever in a, in a Premier League match. Yeah, and I think if you look at, at what they did last season with Spires and and um, and Vardy, most of it was kind of in the balls into space and getting them running at defenders. Don't think they've got that sort of you know Coutinho matter type passer that you know when you give them that possession that they can pick you apart. So it worked perfect for Hull just sitting deep um, and really just letting them pass it around sideways and yeah you just saw them kind of get frustrated and not know what to do um and maybe they they were a bit overconfident i think with all the the negativity around hull there was just seemed like a bit of a flatness about leicester's game um but yeah hull you can't take anything away from them i think you'd be pretty happy with that sm oh absolutely i was i was buzzing about that result i uh, i actually was, was watching the game at a mate's place and i got there about 5 minutes 10 minutes into the match because um i actually thought it was a quarter to 10 kickoff not 9:30 and as I walked in the door, they, they all had glum looks on their face and they said, oh, it's going to be a battering, you're already 2-0 down. And it didn't even shock me. And then I actually, then I actually looked at the screen and went, oh, geez, no, it's actually still 0-0. But uh, to, to, to think that we, we didn't make a single sub, so it was the first Premier League side to win without making a sub since uh, 2012, uh, is an absolutely amazing effort. And um, it's just a complete credit to the club and a complete credit to the, um, to the players and, and Mike Phelan especially, because... He, um, he's got us playing pretty differently to Bruce, and to think he's done that in just a couple of weeks is um, pretty amazing. He, he's got us playing a lot more um, attacking than, um, than Bruce would have had us in that game, that's for sure. 
Um, another game that had a lot of attacking in it was Liverpool up against Arsenal, which finished 4-3. Um, how did you guys see this one? I mean, Mane hit the ground running for Liverpool on debut with a, with a goal to his name, and Coutinho managed two and an assist of his own. Um, but Arsenal, just same old story. I mean, exposed with, with a bit of lack of depth and um, really struggling to get going. Well, yeah, I think I um, just can't, can't get over, you know, Wenger time and time again just won't strengthen early enough. Um, I think he said in his comments, you know, they, they weren't ready for the opening day squad-wise. But the week before when they beat City in a friendly, you know, he was, he was quite um, upbeat about their, their prospects for the year and they were ready. So how does that change in a week? And it's not like, you know, opening days sprung on them two weeks beforehand. Like, this has been the opening day, the opening fixture for months. Like, have your team ready. Don't hope that Kaselny and, and Murtisaka are going to be there. Like, <laughs> having Holding have to play against his Premier, in his Premier League debut against that attacking midfield group, it's just a nightmare waiting to happen. Um, and then, yeah, Liverpool kind of imploded at the end almost. Um, and I think that'll be story of their season there'll be so much promise but then at the back they still seem a bit with um a few liabilities in there with Moreno and, and Mignolet so yeah it'll be quite an exciting season for them do we um I mean it happens most years for Arsenal they'll lose that opening fixture Wenger will panic by and they'll end up doing okay but do we see perhaps Boyan this could be a season where they do finally miss the top four well, look, they, they need to, they really need to, to buy a, cu- a couple of players this year. It's only going to be more and more competitive. There's more and more money coming through the mid-table clubs that want to push on and get Champions League football. And, I mean, you saw last year, my club, United, missed out. And what have they done? They bought in a world-class centre midfielder and potentially, if he's still at that level, a world-class centre forward and, and you know, Mkhitaryan and Bailey as well. So for them, to go into the start of the season with uh, Holding and Chambers as a centre-half pairing, that's that's really, really poor. And it's really unfair on those two players, particularly Holding. But Chambers has been sitting on the sideline waiting for an opportunity for so long. This is not what, what he would have been envisaging. I can see them missing the top four unless they go out... And, and spend the money. They're, they're haggling over 5 million euros over Mustafi. Mustafi's personal terms were agreed, but they haven't agreed a fee with Valencia of 30 million euros. I mean, what world are they, do they think we're living in now? Yeah, That's I mean, just the money I have to pay. I mean, I think someone like from JD's team, I think Adeviroud is the anomaly, not the norm, to get that caliber centre-half at that price. But for Arsenal, they don't have to go and spend that money to bring in Mustafi. As I said last week, he's not world-class. He's very good, but he's not world-class. And they need a centre-forward bad. They've got too many midfielders, as it is. Sanchez is not a centre-forward. He can play as a support striker, but not up on there on his own. We saw at the end of the game, they're looking at putting balls in the box. And you had Tazola and Chamberlain get into the byline. They looked up, and they have to cut back because there's no one over over five foot eight in the box. So it's really poor from Bender to have let it get, get to this, this scenario. And there's something to be said for making a, a high-quality signing um, before the season starts 
And if you bring in a world-class player into a dressing room, everyone else lifts. It's like if you're playing local footy and, 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 you, and this guy turns up and you heard he played at a much higher level. No one begrudges that. Everyone's really happy you got a you know a world class player in your team, and they need to they need to they need to freshen up that. And um, yeah, this, I think that this will be the year because I don't think Giroud can score enough goals to get them in, into the top four on, on his own. Um, Sanchez, who knows? He, he he didn't he didn't finish the year that well last year, but defensively they've got you know they've got so many defensive midfielders. And not enough centre halves. And even with their full centre half pairing back there, there are plenty of better centre half pairings in, in the league. So I don't think they're top. The only area they're top four is in the attacking third minus Giroud with Urzel and Sanchez. They need to get rid of Giroud and buy a top four quality centre forward if they're to stand any chance of getting top four this year. Well, one side that did Although, go out and buy a uh, and buy a big uh, expense. Well, it wasn't that expensive in terms of transfer fee, but perhaps in terms of wages, uh, was Ibrahimovic for United, and he managed to score on debut for you guys against Bournemouth in a in a pretty decent three-one win. Um, what did you make of that first game, Boyan? I'll start with you, and I'll, I'll bring the other two into it afterwards. Um, did you, were you impressed with the performance? I mean, it was a bit dour in the first half, but certainly seemed to open up in the second half. I was impressed with the second half performance. The first half, and Mourinho's touched on this uh, numerous times during preseason, that it's going to take time to get these players' mindsets out of the Van Gaal style, which is pass it around the midfield ball. Whenever Ander Herrera gets the ball, I can tell you straight away he's going to pass it to Valencia. Whenever Rooney has the ball, he's going to he's going to play a skip pass out past Herrera and pass the other other midfielder to Valencia. Lens you'll go back and then cut it back. It's very methodical, Van Hal's way of playing. When they eradicated that from their game and the fullback stopped to the byline and crossed it in, we started to look so much more threatening. If you get early balls in the box, it gives the striker that much more opportunity because the defence isn't set. In terms of in terms of Ibrahimovic, it, that's just what I was talking about with Arsenal, the some kind of player they need. A big character with a big resume who everyone knows, yeah, he might not be what he was, but if you give him an opportunity, he will score. There's no doubt about that. And um, he, he had that. He had a beautiful flip through through to Rooney. He's really the weak link in this side. If you get if you take him out, put Podber at ten, Mkhitaryan on the right, you're looking at a real world class final third. I don't think anyone could put dispute that Mkhitaryan, Martial, Ibrahimovic, and Podber is a world class final third. So I think at some stage of the season. We're going to need to make Mourinho's going to need to make a decision on Ibrahimovic and Rooney, and I can tell you right now it'll be Ibrahimovic because they're at the moment they're getting in each other's way, and Ibrahimovic is far more productive from far less uh, touches. So uh, Ibra, perfect way to start the season for him. He didn't hit it cleanly, but he's he's pretty powerful bloke. And he had enough power to, to beat the keeper from 25 yards. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited. And I've got a bit of uh, surprise due for <laughs> Marouane Fellaini. That's the best game I've, I've, I've ever seen him play. Even when he was at Everton, definitely throughout United, he pressed and pressed, especially in that second half. Him and Herrera, but him in particular, just pressed Bournemouth so hard and just stopped the ball out, off him. There were no... No elbows to heads, none of that crap. He took that, put that out of his game. 
got stuck in and just won the ball back at, at key moments for us. So someone, I personally didn't think he, he had a future at the club, but maybe he does. So, someone who knows Fellaini quite well, Trades, but did you happen to catch much of this game? And if you did, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I managed to watch watch most of the game. And um, I was, I was, Fellaini was actually, for me, my high point, because even though he no longer plays for us, I've, I've always been a big fan of him. And he sort of, at the end of his Everton career, he he become almost a number, a false number ten, if you will, and then even under Van Hal, he seemed to play that little bit more of an attacking, or I don't know if that was the style he was, what Fellaini was trying to do, but he's a little bit more a forward of a, of a central midfielder. But he seemed just to go back to the basics, back to the simple, the simple things, and that's all Fellaini needs to do, because he's a big physical bloke, and he used it. He, he doesn't need to be trying to pick out passes or doing anything too fancy or whatever. That's what Herrera was in the team next to him to do. He was breaking up, pressing really well. It was absolutely fantastic. I Another ex-Evertonian, I didn't actually mind the game of. Now, I know you covered him just before, Boya, but I don't actually mind Rooney in that squad that much. The, the thing that I find that Rooney does, the reputation of Rooney does drag people to him, I feel. And people get on a little bit of Rooney alert, if you will. And I thought Bournemouth was sort of, because they were almost paying a lot of attention to Rooney as that sort of, it was playing as a number 10, I thought it gave Zlatan a little bit less pressure. It was almost like playing with two strikers, how the centre-backs were sort of trying to split. And I thought that created a little bit more space. I still think Rooney and Ibrahimovic deserve a chance to try and play alongside each other. Like, that was the first game that they've ever played together. So, obviously, it's going to take them a bit of time for them to get some chemistry together. But all in all, I thought it was a very solid performance from Manchester United, but that's exactly what I expected from them. JD, what were your thoughts on the match? Um, And were you impressed with the way that they started under Mourinho? Um, yeah, I was pretty impressed. I do think got to settle down with the the Fellaini goo. It, it was Bournemouth. Um, but if you look at look at Bournemouth, though, I, I would say that nobody in that starting eleven would probably be a, a top half player. Like they are, I think they'll struggle this season. So it was kind of the perfect game for United, and and they did what they needed to do. Um, like Burns saying, you know, it took a while to get going, but even second half when they did score the three goals. It wasn't a rampant period where they scored them. Like, you know, they just were methodical and did what they needed to do and it would be great for their confidence, Rooney and and Ibrahimovic getting on the on the board. But yeah, I think they'll they'll have to build on that. I don't think they can play at that level and, and keep getting three one wins. Um and yeah, it's it's still Fellaini. I I think he'll be the one that goes out for Pogba or maybe Herrera. I don't think um, Mourinho will have the the guts this early, but at least question, till December to, to drop Perini. A question I have for Boyan: Do you think Manchester still need that anchor man, sort of a more defensive sided midfielder? Because oh. you've got Schneiderlin's on the book and Fellaini can play it as well. You can't go all out attack every single game. You're going to have teams that will attack you way more than Bournemouth. Well, I've been I've been quite clear that I want Morton Schneiderlin to have more opportunity, particularly at the base of, of the midfield, and we need we need someone like him who reads the game so well. So, I guess the difference between a Fellaini Herrera and a Schneiderlin is that you know Herrera's and 
all action midfielder. He never stops running all game, right? And he'll and he'll press and press and press. Schneiderlin will get between the opposition who have the ball and the centre forwards in a similar way to Eric Dyer. So quite often he doesn't need to make these kind of challenges and press. He's just positionally but very good. He's he's a smart footballer. Yeah, he's a smart footballer. So I'd like him beside Potter, um, yeah. personally. But you know, I think and and. and He's been he's been a little bit un- unheralded on on the board so far, but certainly not in the media. But I think our most important signing will prove to be Eric Bailey. Oh, he played really well. <laughs> yeah. Keeps up form. Look, he's he's he is a rough diamond because some of these challenges, geez, if he's half a second late, he's he's done a straight red card. There's no doubt. But so far, as he dives in a fair bit, but so far, so good. He's getting the ball, and um, he's very dominant, intimidating. You know, it, it, going back to the community shield, he had no problem with Vardy's pace, no problem whatsoever. So if we can, you know, have him beside... I reckon he's... He'll suit Smalling. Blind, and Mike Smalling might shot a bit back in the side because Blind is a ball-playing centre-half. Bailey's probably underrated in terms of how he passes the ball. He's quite aggressive with how he passes. And Smalling, although he improved last year on that part of the game, he still looks uncomfortable playing the ball out from the back. So I wouldn't surprise him at all if they're going to go with Bailey and Blind at least until we play a defence that's, um, you know, where, where we have to change that. Well, before we become too much of a United podcast, we'll move on and um, <laughs> talk about the two sides that played each other um, amongst our um, the panel. And we've got Spurs who drew 1-1 with Everton. Um, in It was a bit of a topsy-turvy game, a bit a few momentum swings throughout the game, particularly when Laurie got injured for Spurs. Um, I'll start with you, Trade Spurt. What, what did you make of your first game under Ronald Koeman? Well, from an Everton point of view, I was really, really impressed. I thought we started the game incredibly well, but Kuman actually said in a press conference uh, just before the, the Friday before the game that we're running at about 70% fitness, and that definitely showed on the weekend. Our first half was absolutely brilliant, but as the game sort of... It was, it was a game of two halves, and, and then as the game went on into the second half... Um, especially after Pochettino made the switch for Dyer off and Jansen, who I thought was really impressive, came on and it was just Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham for the end of the second half. But thankfully, Stecklenburg stood up and he had two really, really top-class saves which kept it in it and I thought 1-1 was a, a fair result for both clubs. How did you see it, JD? Yeah, it was definitely a game of two halves. We were... We were terrible um, in that first half. I think the the three at the back definitely took us by surprise, um, and we just couldn't cope with it at all. Um, we didn't change the way we played. We just kept our four two three one, and and Kane was you know not getting a touch of the ball. And yeah, the the change of, of bringing Anson on was much needed. But it's a bit of a worry that Pochettino couldn't make um, you know a change kind of mid half, like work it out on work it out as they went. Maybe it's, you know, a bit early early days to be doing those sort of things. But, yeah, I think once um, we went to a 4-4-2 and, and gave the, the three defenders two guys to worry about, plus, you know, uh, Lamella who, who got into the box and got that header, 
um, yeah, we kind of worked them out and, and overran them, which was quite good. But I think it's a little bit of a worry for us um, having so many of the England guys come back and be automatic starters. Um, personally, I'd be dropping uh, Dali Ali just to start with. You know, he's only a young guy. Um, and there's a young guy, Josh Onema, who had a great preseason. Like, why wouldn't you just let Ali ease his way back in and, and reward a, a young kid um, who's done well for us in preseason? That would be my my biggest takeaway from it. Or Janssen, who, who was sharp all through his games in Melbourne. Um and then scored against Inter Milan. So, yeah, hopefully it's just a, a slow burn for us because if we play like that first half, we'll be we'll be struggling to make it to Europe at all. Um, but, yeah, it was good to see us improve. Do you think that's why Dyer came off? Because I was quite surprised that Eric Dyer came off instead of Wanyama because I thought Dyer was – he was just about your best player yeah, on the field, I thought, at the time he went off. Yeah, I agree. He, he, was, he was our best player, but – Wanyama had a full preseason, so if you yeah. were going to pick between the two, um, I think it was a great, great decision. I was glad it was was him, just in case you know, towards the end of the game, he do, he might have tired a bit more than Wanyama did. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we probably should have mimicked what you guys did with three at the back. You know, Dyer could have easily dropped into into a three at the back, um, pushed our wing backs up, and and probably moved Lamella or Ali to play as that support striker with Kane in the first half. But, yeah, we just tried to do the same old 4-2-3-1. There was just no room in midfield. Couldn't the players, We kind of played like England did at the Euros. No support for Kane. Um, yeah, and, you know, he, he wasn't sharp himself. It's no, not, you know, taking anything away from him. He was pretty poor. But when you're the front man um, and the three behind you aren't, doing much and aren't linking up with you there's only so much you can do so yeah it's a few worries there but yeah hopefully we can sort those out against palace this week um tradesper what did you make of delafeo playing in that sort of uh, false nine role with lukaku missing um from the options we had available he had to play as a striker um because literally niasi and kone are our two other strikers currently in the squad um, Would you call them strikers? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, call themselves, they, they call themselves a striker. <laughs> they play as a striker, but yes, they're not Premier League quality. Um, Niasi wasn't even on the bench. I, and, I say, uh, have, Cone... I, I say with my club having been linked to Niasi, so that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> concerning. <laughs> yeah, um, from the options in the squad available, De La Fe had to had to be named without Lukaku being match fit. Uh, physically fit, he was injured. Um, I think Kuman seriously considering Daily Fay actually playing as our second option for a striker. Uh, he makes really good runs. I think he keeps the defence really honest and he cut off a quite terrible back pass. I think it was from Rose, I think, yeah. past the yeah, back. Yeah. And um, he got on it and ran really hard to get it. Absolute nuisance, but then his problem is his end product, his finishing. And credit to Vorm, who had a good save, but he he literally just almost kicked it straight to straight to the keeper. So um, his end product is still very questionable, and I'd like to have a new backup striker, and I'd probably have him as my first choice right wing. But from the current squad available, it was the right choice to make. Um, from from my perspective, sorry? I think he was yeah. As soon as he went off, I kind of felt comfortable that. 
it was either going to be a Tottenham win or a draw. Um, yeah, well, he was quite well, when, good when, and quite when threatening. When the man coming on, I would yeah. go that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In a roundup of the um, other fixtures, not, neither of the other promoted clubs managed to get a win. Um, apparently, we were, we were actually the first club since 2012 to win um, first weekend after promotion. Um, but Borough managed to get a 1-1 draw with Stoke, while um, Burnley lost at home to Swansea 1-0. Um, Man City managed to win 2-1 against Sunderland, but that was courtesy of a pretty late own goal on debut for um, Paddy McNair. McNair, that's Four the one. Months. Yeah, I was thinking Love for some reason, but yeah, it's McNair. Um, Southampton. He, played for he did after he came on. How, how long was he on for before the um, own goal? No, Donald Love started oh, the game at right Love, back. Love played well. Sorry, okay, yeah. Full 90 minutes, and I was surprised that he was horrible for our reserves. Um, Paddy McNair was on about 15 minutes. It was unlucky, though. If he didn't put it in, the, the City player next to him would have, surely. Yeah, it's one of those unlucky ones. Yeah. So he had, he had next well. to no time to react. Um, yeah, he looked, pretty good for, he looked pretty good for Sunderland. Um, I think that's probably his level, though, isn't it? It's <laughs> at this level. No, like, <laughs> that's not his level. Right? You think he's got a bit more than that? <laughs> you know what he's got? He's got a, a crap load of talent and a shocking attitude. And so he needs to be brought down a peg, and that's what Sunderland will do. He can be the main man there. You know who he's like? He's like Hudson Ben Arthur. Who's, um... He's who, all, all the talent in the world, but if he doesn't put it together, he looks, he looks hopeless. I mean, you who, could, who a lot of people forget how good he was in that debut season under Moyes. And, you know, to create their second goal, he beat three players on the right-hand side, and... Pass like, the ball square for the for the assist for Defoe. So I think like, he's got um, lots of. Bit like Morrison at West Ham. Was he also a United boy? Ravel Morrison. Was he? Was he? Ravel Morrison. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. He was. He was at he United. Was the best of a lot. With Lindard and Pogba, I I no word of a lie, much more highly rated than Paul Pogba. He's just had a stupid attitude. Yeah. He's well, just. Beating, he was in trouble every second day at, at all through his time at, at United for not turning out the training, not doing his schoolwork. Most disappointingly, getting in fights, getting involved in gangs, but you put him out on a football pitch, amazing, amazing. But he's now rotting in Lazio's reserves. I don't know what he's doing. I know his agent's trying to get him to move back to, back to England. You know, I wouldn't be against us taking a shot on him, to, to be honest. Get him back with Pogba and Lingard and under Mourinho, see if there's anything left. But in terms of um, Adnan Yanezai, yeah, look, I think he's got talent in abundance and it'll be a great loan for him. He's still only 21. So there's still plenty of time for him to sort himself out. So, yeah. South I think one thing that will help Yanezai... Sorry, one sorry. thing that will help Yanezai Sunderland. He doesn't have anywhere near the media scrutiny at Sunderland that he will under at United. Nobody really, no mainstream media has headlines and back pages on Sunderland. So I think it'll actually be an advantage to him to, to be a little bit shuttered away from it all. Just go back to the basics and just play football because the kid's got talent. Yeah, Southampton, um, Southampton managed to draw 1-1 at home to Watford courtesy of a relatively late goal for uh, Nathan Redmond on debut. And he, he almost bagged a winner after... Um, a pretty good piece of play, but he was um, a little bit offside when he slotted that, slotted that one home. Um, Chelsea the, two one. The red card changed yeah. the context of that game. Yeah, well. that was that was a um, big moment because um, 
Shane Long basically threw on goal, and he pretty much had to he had to do it, and so he, he kind of made the right decision in that sense because it it saved them a goal, but um yeah certainly changed the game. Yeah, um, Southampton probably almost just about deserved a win in that game I thought as well. Yeah. So they'll be a bit frustrated with the one one. Speaking of um, speaking of red cards though, Chelsea two one over West Ham, but the uh, the oh. man who scored the winner shouldn't have been on the pitch. What did we make? Yeah, what did we make of that one? Definitely the Sam fans pitch. have every reason to be pissed off at that. That was but, outrageous. There's even a photo with uh, yeah. a still shot and he studs up just about in the calf muscle of Adrian. Like yeah, he's a good ten <laughs> centimeters above the ankle. But in saying that, like it was a back pass. The refs probably what forty yards from from where Adrian's standing. And if you look at at that photo, the orange keeper's kit, his orange boot. No one would have seen exactly how how high it was. So he's paid the free kick for him being late. But, God, if ever ref saw a foot that high, it's a straight red. He, he was already on a yellow. Um, it could have even been a yellow, even if it was on the foot. Like, it was quite late. Um, he, but he just keeps getting away with it. It's He won't get a retrospective ban. I don't even think that's being talked about. There's, there's still footage, just like there was still footage when he got eye-gouged by Dembele. There's still footage of his studs a good 10 centimetres above this guy's ankle. How does he not get a ban during the week? Like, it just, it's mind-blowing how he keeps getting away with this. In situations like this, the Dembele one was, yeah, that was <laughs> a whole other thing. But I think the refs, are the FA are a bit scared of going against refs in many many of the situations. So players never actually get what they deserve just because if the FA don't back their own refs, who does? Yeah, so but it's not, think... the refs, it's not the refs' fault to not see that from 40 yards away. Like, yeah, you're no, not going to I... see exactly how high someone goes with their studs when it's a back pass to the keeper. You know, the, the ref's not expected to be in play up, up in the box there. He's meant to be, you know, in midfield, so... A hundred percent. But yeah. I just... The, the FA are too scared to go against the ref, and time after time, you rarely ever see... Even red cards that probably shouldn't have been there, they never even get overturned nine times out of ten, so... I can't... Yeah, I can't see anything happening, even though it should. Just on Chelsea as well, um, it was a very confident penalty from Hazard. Do we see him sort of coming back into his own after a year of pretty um, unimpressive football? Well, as a Chelsea yeah, fan, so. as a, any Chelsea fan would be over the moon that he got that first goal out of the way so early because Very that was hanged over his... Roof of the net. Oh, it was... And it was the, the pace on it. Like, yeah. that is a... <laughs> that's quite a dangerous penalty if you're scared of missing. But no, rightfully so, he went up, took it and slotted it. So... Confidence is always good to see from any player. Um, and then a typical Pulis result with a smash and grab for West Brom, 1-0 over Palace rounds out the results. Um, anything else of note we wanted to touch on with those results? How about, uh, well, how about go, Mike mate. Dean's atrocious penalty decision for Damari Gray against... Oh, Mike? yeah, well, we didn't even touch that on that one. Peter outside the box. Yeah, speaking of <laughs> bad decisions, the Christian Fuchs not getting sent off in that game, and then Damari oh, Gray God. with um, with a, yeah the fouls outside the box. They say it's carried on inside the box, but he's basically fallen forward into Huddleston inside the box after being fouled outside the box. So um, the first the first contact the was a good on inside the box. Well, because they, look, they look at it and they say, okay, so he's stood on the back of his ankle, so that's a foul. 
and then there's contact inside the box. But the contact inside the box is because Gray has fallen forward onto Huddleston's foot. That's bullshit. No, oh, I'm sorry. That was I don't never think a pen. No, no, I agree. Yeah, I don't think the they were saying the that was the pen. They're, they're saying that I think Mike. They're saying that Mike Dean might have seen that second point of contact, which is I, I agree completely. It just goes back to what Tradesbert was talking about 20 seconds ago about them never wanting to admit that a ref's yeah. stuffed up. Yeah. Have and it all the time. It's a clean sheet. Yeah. A clean sheet and a 2 0 win against the Champions. It's not, not yeah. a bad start to the season yeah. for a team with 13 players. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess we'll move on to the uh, previews then. Um, we'll start with we've got a Friday night game, which is a pretty pretty much a rarity these days in um, in the Premier League. Though I think they're trying to start it up a bit more often um, in the last season or two. But it's your mob, Boyan. So we'll, we'll keep it nice and short after we had a nice uh, eight minute discussion on <laughs> your guys <laughs> beforehand. But Southampton are a team who. Um, each season go from strength to strength as we've touched on a couple of times already and they didn't they looked a bit rusty against Watford but um, looked quite promising as well how, how do you think this one will go down I think we'll smash them this is, <laughs> this is Paul Potter's unveiling world record oh, transfer oh god yeah forgot about that one do you think what? he'll start nah definitely he probably shouldn't he's definitely well, probably gonna you think start. you will or you won't Off you reckon Sorry? who would you drop who would you drop who would I drop? Probably Herrera. Probably Herrera. I'll probably give. I think Fellaini outperformed Herrera, and I'd give Fellaini an, another go, um, and see how that went beside Podbra. I tell you what, though, like Mourinho teams are known for being big, strong, and physical. That centre midfield pairing of Podbra and Fellaini—that's big, strong, and physical right there. <laughs> a bit yeah. of a change uh, from last year, but yeah, look, I I don't see. I don't see a way... Oh, here we go. I'll really put the motor on him now. I don't see a way how Southampton can win. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, the, the way I can see them winnings maybe a, a half-full Old Trafford with, you know, the Friday night might be a bit hard for the, the supporters down in London to get up there. <laughs> might be a bit flat. I don't know. We'll see, see yeah, how, how it goes. How are they all going to get home out. on a Friday night? Bayern. It's a long trip back you know, to London. More how are they going to get there from work? Five o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> There's what, sorry? There's more United supporters in Manchester than Man City supporters. That's first <laughs> and foremost. And the problem with the reason, one of the reasons why no one likes, um, you know, Europa League is that it's obviously not sort of the Champions League and you don't get home if you live in London until about 2, 3 a.m., yeah? yeah? But if it's on a Friday night, who cares? You're not working the next day. So yeah. I would expect the stadium to be at match capacity. You know what's funny? You bring out match capacity because Man City didn't didn't sell out their first game of the year. <laughs> yeah, that was and coming. Their tickets were on general sale the day before the game. <laughs> um, any any score, opportunity to bag out City's attendance? Score of predictions, guys. Uh, I'll go no, another one three, one. three one. Three one. Oh, four, one. Four, four one. Four one. United. Zlatan hat trick. Was that a was that a one nil from you, JD? <laughs> yeah, it'll be a Mourinho one nil. 
Yeah, I'm thinking maybe two one to United. I think they'll they'll get the job done. But uh, I reckon so Southampton will go. We got a one nil, a two one, a three one, and a four one. <laughs> Where's the pot for Well, it's nice and uh, symmetrical at least. Um, talking about those cross city rivals, Man City play Stoke uh, in I think it's the early game on the Saturday night. Um, Stoke without Butland could be um, a bit exposed. They they conceded a fair few goals last season when he was out of the side. Uh, how do we see this one going? Do we see City sort of uh, taking them into counter? Uh, it's hard not to back City in this one. I'll be very interested to see what happens with Joe Hart, however. Yeah, I think he won't start again. Um, nah, he's made his I. decision now, and, and he'll stick with it till they sign a new one. It'll be interesting to see if Pep can do it on a, a Saturday, early Saturday game <laughs> at Stoke. Um, well, this know, is what passing out from the back and... That's yeah, cold. so you know, John St- John Stones could be exposed, and well, he'd actually know a fair place, few of the but... um, the Stoke squad, wouldn't he? Because what Afalai, Boyan, um, who else would have come through the Barca ranks? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if those um, guys do lift a bit, and yeah, they weren't they weren't fantastic against Sunderland, so I'd be I'm picking a draw um, for this one, maybe two two. Um, yeah, Bojan will will come back if he is fit. I'm not sure. I haven't I didn't watch a Stoke game at all last last week, but yeah, I think he'll he'll score a double, and City might struggle to yeah to a point. Well, speaking well, of Bojan, what's forget, your score prediction for this one? Well, don't forget that um, Pep was the man that sold Jordan Shakiri to enter when he was a Bayern. Yeah, ah, so, so he's, got, link, he's well, got links with them all. Yeah, so there's a fair few. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm I mean, I was really happy that Shakiri um, scored that goal on the weekend. It was a beautiful um, free kick because he really needs to push on from last year. You know, he was he was good without being spectacular, um, but you know, he's their marquee player. Yeah, and I think Stoke were pretty ordinary. Um, just looking at the but highlights, you still have to even with Capoeira in control. You'd still have to back back them in Man City two one. I thought they were very unconvincing against um, Sunderland, and it'll be interesting to see if yeah if Pep will be able to handle the different changes in in tactics from from week to week. You know your Pula styles, your more open playing like Southampton styles. Because in in Spain and in Germany, everyone pretty much plays the same way. So it's just about who's got the better teams and a few um, tactical tweaks, yeah? But in England, there are so many different teams with different philosophies. So you've got coaches from all over the world who all want to do things their way. So I think that they'll have enough this weekend. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they go. So I think 2-1. Sorry, Trainsper, what was your prediction? I'm actually going to go with a 1-1 draw. Uh, as we were mentioning, I think a lot of the Stoke players have something to play for. Uh, City also played quite a strong team this morning in uh, their Champions League game. So I actually am going for a 1-1 draw just to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think they lost at Stoke last season. I think it was a might have been a 2 or three, a 2 nil game, I think. I think it was Arnautovic might have got a couple of goals in that one, unless I'm thinking of a different game. Um, so they've posed problems for City before, and, and as you say, Boyan, I think it'll be interesting to see how Guardiola adjusts to the different styles. And um, yeah, I could see a 1-1 draw in this one. Maybe City can edge it, but uh, it'll certainly be quite interesting and a good uh, good start to the um, good start to the weekend's football after the United game, of course. Um, 
We've got a London derby up next in Spurs against Crystal Palace. Um, JD, how are you seeing the side lining up, particularly with Loris out of the side? Do you, do you still see enough strength there to get past Palace? Um, well, I'm never, never confident against Pardew. He's that sort of guy that, you know, that I've got a feeling that they'll they'll really struggle this season, but we'll get the, they'll be the Newcastle of last season who gets points against us. Just something about his, his <laughs> smug face, I think. Um, we've, yeah, we're notoriously slow starters to the season as well. So, yeah, a win would be, you know, kind of the bare minimum, but it really would be a fantastic result because we we haven't, you know, had long with the guys from the Euros. I think we had one friendly against Inter. And then, yeah, that Everton game was a bit of a shambles. So, yeah, Vaughn, you know, I'm pretty happy with him, him to be in the side for the next month. He's a... You know, a good mid-table sort of keeper, um, and yeah, we'll just see. Hopefully, it's not the same old four-two-three-one, same eleven as as every week. I don't think we should go with Dyer and and Wanyama um, for a game at home against Palace, but I'm expecting to see that. Um, I'd prefer Ali to to move into that Tembele role um, and bring another attacking midfielder in. Just to give us that drive, that's what we really miss. Um, I think the the Premier League side has a has a thing on there, the Dembele effect, how it, how it's been affecting Kane. Um, I think with his suspended games, I don't think Kane's had a shot on target or scored a goal or it was some bizarre stat like that. And I think it, it's he is our most missed player, and we don't try and replace him properly, having Wanyama um, or Dyer doing his role. Or Mason, heaven forbid. So, yeah, not not too confident this early in the season that we'll win this one. Um, so, score prediction. So, you reckon maybe a draw? Uh, say one down Spurs. And what about the uh, the other two? Bayern. Well, or trade spurt. Yeah. Um, Bayern can go. I think. I don't think Leicester and Stor- uh, Sorry, I don't think Palace and Stor- Dales are that a striker. And uh, Pardew looked a bit kind of forlorn in his, uh, in his in his last press conference because it, it doesn't matter what they do with different areas of the pitch. There's no one that can put the ball in the net at the moment for them. And, Unfortunately, uh, they got Townsend this week, who who will come back to to make us pay those ten million back. I think with a goal, <laughs> just something about him and yeah, him and Pardew just got a bad bad feeling. <laughs> well, that kind of yeah, like. But in terms of a store prediction, I think Spurs will have a day out and win 3-1. And I'll tip the one as being Townsend. How's that? <laughs> Trade spot? I actually think that Tottenham should do this game with, with ease. JD, you're being too conservative, mate. Um, I watched the Palace game on the weekend, and whilst they had more um, possession than West Brom, West Brom, under Tony Pulis, who hardly even shoot, had one less shot in the entire game than Crystal Palace. And Yednak started last week. He'll be gone by the weekend. If I don't think it's official yet. He's moved to Villa. And Balassi also come on as a substitute to try and mix things up, and he won't be there anymore either. So their team's already weaker than what it was last week, and I was really disappointed with their performance after I talked them up a little bit in the last podcast. So I actually think Tottenham can win this game 3 now. Yeah, I think Spurs will do it pretty easily, but I'll just ask a quick question about Palace before we move on. And and maybe get a one-word answer or one-sentence answer from each of you. Do you think they'll sign Benteke? 
No. <laughs> I no. think they. I think they actually will. I think they'll use all the Balassi money, and I actually think Benteke for thirty million on the current market would be a good deal. Yeah, well, that'll certainly be an interesting one. We'll see if um, Liverpool hold out or if they if they cave and, and let him go for a little bit less than they, they seem to be holding out for. Um, but Watford against Chelsea is the next one. And uh, Watford obviously needed to get a, a result against Southampton to get off to a good start because they've got a run of tough fixtures. And, and the first one is Chelsea. Um, they managed to get a point last week, but Chelsea looked pretty impressive against West Ham for large chunks of that game. Um, do we see them just blowing Watford away in this one? Uh, we'll start with Tradesburg. Um, I think I think they probably will. No disrespect to Watford, but on paper there's huge differences. On the money that Chelsea spent compared to the money that Watford actually spend is ridiculous. I really rate Chelsea this season. I think um, Conte will work wonders there. Um, they'll also be without Watson, who got himself sent off. So. I think Chelsea should do this with no real worries. They should cruise to about a 2-0 victory, I would imagine. Uh, JD? Um, yeah, Chelsea were pretty pretty good nick last week, but I think there's not been too many blowouts. Um, so I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. Watford were pretty pretty good, I thought, against Southampton as well. So it be interesting to see how they go with the new manager. And Bojan? I don't think Chelsea have got enough going forward to blow to blow teams out under Conte style. Um, not not yet anyway. And yet I, I mean let's not forget that um, Chelsea's defence man to man aside from Asper the Puerta is still very ordinary. So I think that, you know, Dini and Agallo might find some success. And I think I'll back a one one draw there. I think Chelsea might just shade it if uh, if Hazard can find the back of the net as he seems to be um looking likely to do. Uh, he had a few near misses against West Ham as well, so I could see possibly a 2-1 win for Chelsea in that one. But yeah, I could see perhaps an, an Igalo goal in that one. Um, West Brom at home to Everton. Um, I'll start with you, Tradespert, again for this one. Um, it could be a tough game for Everton, a pretty physical side in West Brom, but is Balassi expected to be involved and Williams as well? Um, yeah, I would, I would expect um, them both to be involved. I, I'm really unsure on uh, Williams just because he didn't get a preseason at all just because of the Euros. I would actually love to be having Williams play this game just to go against Rondon, who I think is an absolute beast. Um, just like JD was saying before about Pardew and playing against Tottenham, Pulis just always seems to frustrate <laughs> and somehow get results against Everton regardless of who is in charge of? He used to do the same at Stoke. So I'm actually a little bit nervous for this one. I don't think we'll be fully firing. I'd like to see William start, but I can't see it happening. I'll be very interested to see whether we go three at the back again. Um, and I'd expect Balassi to come on at about the hour mark and try and make an impact off the bench. He probably won't start away. I hate giving predictions for my own team, so I'll predict... Uh, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> a 1-0 win to Everton or a 0-0 draw. I don't think this will be a very high-scoring affair, especially but, if Lukaku's not back yet. Bojan, how do you see it? Where's this game being played? It's at, uh, at West Brom. Ooh. Well, West Brom still don't have a left-back. So Johnny Evans played there on the weekend. I know they've asked United for Borthwick oh, Jackson. They always just play centre-backs there, don't they? <laughs> 
Unless it's James Chester. Oh, he goes back to the championship. Oh, um, <laughs> We'd rather go to the championship than play in a West Brom side. That says it all. Oh, oh dear. Uh, look, I, I'm really excited for Everton this season. I was... What struck me after the first game they played was that Coleman was generally, genuinely disappointed that they didn't get the three points. He looked pretty. And that was off. so good to see from an Everton point of view after having Happy Martinez celebrate a two 0 <laughs> loss, basically. Yeah, man. For sure. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, look. Ordinarily, last year I, I would be definitely backing in West Brom, but I liked the way Ross Barkley played on the weekend, and he's really the catalyst for that side if Jalafeo can start actually converting one-on-ones rather than hitting straight at the keeper or the side netting that'd be good and I think they'll have enough in a 2-1 victory and what about you JD? Uh, I think this will be nil all I think Coman's got them pretty sturdy at the back already Everton that the guy from Villa was really good as well um, in our games they're real solid and they press quite well and West Brom's West Brom they'll, they'll score every second week um. Yeah, not expecting too much more than that. Maybe a one nil. Either side could pinch it, but I'll go the nil or draw. Yeah, I think it could be a pretty low scoring one. Maybe one nil or one one uh, in that one. But uh, Rondon's one to watch. He's been in pretty decent form so far for for West Brom, and um, I think he's in. He was good in the Club Barcelona as well. Rumored to Barcelona, like, yeah. Yeah, Barcelona. <laughs> so uh, God, Pulis to Barca. <laughs> oh dear. But Rondon is a player I wouldn't personally want playing for my team, but he fits the purest structure absolutely perfectly. perfectly. Yeah. He holds the ball up so damn well. He's an absolute brute, and he makes a 50-50, 75-25 in his favour, just just off his presence. So I think he's a really good player for West Brom. Um, Swansea up against Hull is, I think, the last of the midnight games, and it's a um, pretty important game. Um, for both sides, really. I mean, either of them could get off to a pretty decent start, um, considering both are expected to be fighting against relegation. Um, and, and perhaps that means it could end up being a draw if both sides are a bit conservative. Um, but hopefully it's the opposite and both sides really go for it and we get a pretty decent, attractive game of football, which, um, given the way we played against Leicester, is certainly how I hope we, we play this game. Um I'm trying to be a little bit optimistic, but obviously after being pessimistic last week and, and getting a win, if I'm optimistic about this game, we might end up actually losing it. But um, I think we could sneak a 1-0 away win here. But um, how do you see it, Boyan? What, what do you reckon um, will be the result in this one? Well, I was really impressed with um, Lorente on the weekend for Swansea. I personally thought he was washed up, but uh, he certainly wasn't. And it was his header that... Um, Leroy first scored from the rebound. But I think if, if Hull want to win this game, they're going to need to bring the same heart and intensity to this game as, as, they, as they did last week. But I reckon a 1-1 draw is the way this one will end. Yeah. Um, JD? Yeah, I agree. I think one, one all. Um, Hull were pretty impressive, and, and so was Swansea last week in the away win, but I think they'll cancel each other out. Uh, absolutely no disrespect to Swansea, but I actually put money on them to get relegated this season. Um, they did impress me last week. I thought they got a, a solid result. And as Boyan said about uh, Lorente, I also thought he was washed up, but he had a really, really wonderful debut. Almost did a little bit what Rondon does for West Brom, but for Swansea. Um, 
I actually think both teams will be nice and conservative. Games like uh, this where two teams are expected to be fighting for relegation, it's a six-point game come the end of the season. So I think either team will snatch a, a 1-0 winner or it'll be 0-0. I'm just going to back Swansea. Sorry, SM. I just think they've got the better squad on paper. Fair enough. Um, another battle Less of... Two... Squad. Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> Currently have the better squad. <laughs> I think that's pretty easy to do. Um, another another match between two sides who might be struggling for most of the season. Um, Burnley up against Liverpool. Um, Burnley at home for this one. Um, as they said on the board, actually, a couple of the Liverpool supporters have, have said in, in all seriousness um, that they do struggle against these sorts of sides. Um, you know, up against Arsenal, they win 4-3 and then they'll go to Burnley and draw or, or drop points in, in that one. Um, but they've obviously started the season pretty well with some pretty decent attacking firepower. Um, so there is the prospect that they could just completely blow Burnley away. Um, JD, how do you see this one? Yeah, I think they'll absolutely smoke them. Um, four or five nil. Um, yeah, I think either one of a couple of Firmino, Mane, and Coutinho will, will hit two or three. And yeah, Burnley, like we said last week, they're they're just doing nothing at the moment. They signed Stefan DeFore, was it from I don't know where he is yeah, at the moment. Record, They've broken and club record. Yeah, but that. he's he kind of took a step back down to, to Anderlecht after failing somewhere. I can't remember where he was. So he broke his Stone. leg. Yeah. Did he break his leg? Or? Yeah, he, he was like a, he was a, a wonder kid a while back and then had, had a really bad leg break. He was an old and had a couple of superstar. Yeah, yeah, that was back in like 2010, 2009 maybe. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I just don't see that being the right sort of move for a, for a side-fighting relegation to spend so much money on a guy that's, yeah, unproven in the Premier League and there's only really, it's not even a top European league where he's done it. It's Belgium. We are um, saying so much, though, but in reality, it was about £8 million, I think. Like, yeah. <laughs> on the current market, that's like a £4 million sign three, four years ago. Bojan, uh, what's your prediction for this one? Ooh. I, I really can't see past Liverpool belting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we're just, all in the uh, same boat on that one. I, I they had that 20-minute period where, geez, if they do that against Burnley, they'll score six in 20 minutes. But... I think they're, they're <laughs> without the heart. <laughs> At least from the first week, SM. Yeah. I'm just trying to generalise your whole season based on that one. <laughs> Look, at the moment, we're on track to break the um, points record, I think. We just uh, yeah, trend, trending upwards um, over the 38 <laughs> games. Um, Tradespur, how do you see it? Do you see an, a, a belting for Liverpool as well? I do, but I think Liverpool will start off the game a little bit more conservative. They are uh, in about after the hour mark. They sort of thought, ah, oh, yeah, we've got Arsenal, no worries. And Klopp even said himself that he celebrated way too early. Um, so I. Th- I think Liverpool won't go flat-out attack from the start. I think they'll be conservative, structurally defensive, and then I think they'll probably score one or two and the floodgates should just open there. I, I Burnley aren't a team that often, can, well, going off previous stints, they don't get torn apart. They're always quite defensively solid, so... Um, they'll probably be just defence, 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 defence from the, the, the get-go of the game, especially after seeing what Liverpool did 
last weekend. I'd expect a, probably a 3-0 win. I, I can't see it being any more than that, but even the 3-0 win in the Premier League is a damn good result. Um, two sides that were pretty desperate to get some points on the board after losses last week, um, potentially unexpected. Um, and also the top two from last season. So I think it was the first time in 60 years that the top two have both lost their um, opening fixtures. Um, Leicester at home to Arsenal. Um, Leicester, we were talking about the fact that they struggled against Hull because Hull didn't let them um, play on the counter and soak up uh, pressure. Whereas against Arsenal, that's pretty much exactly what they'll get to do. Do we see a chance that um, Leicester could actually win this one and, and really sort of make it a tough start for Arsenal? Arsenal have a very good track record against Leicester. I actually thought that... Well, Arsenal bet them twice, is yeah, that I think correct? So. Oh, uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Arsenal will instantly go into the game with a bit of confidence of that. Leicester, already after being a little bit depleted from last week, but they are the current champions and you can never rule champions out. Uh, I'm actually going to go with a, a 2-2 draw. I... Um, I think both teams will be wanting to win, but whether the confidence is in either team to get a a three-point victory, I I just don't know. It's probably actually the hardest game of the round to select this one. JD? But I'll lock in 2-2. If Holding and Chambers play again as the centre-backs, I'll tip Leicester 3 or Um, (laughs) 4-1. If not... Yeah, they can maybe contain them and get a a two a one all draw, but yeah, holding up against Vladi and Myers with the way Arsenal will hold the ball and, and suit the way Leicester plays, it could be nightmares. And what about you, Boyan? Uh Benja's very naive. And yeah, I can see what Deshawny and Chambers at the back. Chambers just as much as um well, Chambers was at fault, really, for that uh, Mane goal with his left foot where he got far too tight to him. Like, it's a lot quicker than him. How's it going to go against the guy who's all significantly quicker, quicker than him, like Vardy? So, despite last year's results, I think Bender's very, very naive, and I can see Leicester winning this 3-1. Yeah, I think I might tip a slight Leicester win in this one, 2-1 or 3-1, depending on how Arsenal line up at the back, but... Um, yeah, it's certainly a big fixture for both sides, and I think whichever side loses this game, I think the supporters will be getting very um, anxious about what, what's in store for them this season. Um, Sunderland so. at home to Middlesbrough could be a, a pretty interesting game to watch. With Newcastle relegated, this is essentially our northeast derby. Um, Borough looked pretty decent against Stoke, to be fair. They, they kind of held their own for large chunks of that match. Do we see them a pretty decent chance against Sunderland, or...? Or is the Sunderland side that's looking okay under Moyes also pretty likely to get some points in this one? Um, I'll start with you, JD. Um, yeah, they'll both impress me a little bit, the two sides last week. Um, I think, yeah, this will be a classic Moyes 1-0. Um, yeah, Borough, I think they'll definitely stay up and, and have a strong squad. But, yeah, Moyes' know-how will we'll see them get these kind of wins that they're expected to a lot more than I guess Sunderland sides have in the past um, that'll be a Defoe winner Bojan? 1-0 Moyes sorry 1-0 Sunderland <laughs> uh, Defoe winner Yanazai assist 
Um, very tight, tight at the back. I think they're very tight and just look to... They kind of, yeah, try and compact everything and let their couple of creative players try and win the game for them in, in, in one go. And, yeah, I'm not sure that Burrow's defence is going to be the, the greatest. And Jermaine uh, Defoe... It's like a fine line. It gets better with age. Yeah? He's just so smart. So, yeah, I think some of them 1-0. I think he's into the top 10 uh, most goals scored in the Premier League. I think he's tied with Van Persie now. So, um, yeah, he, he certainly had a pretty remarkable career after um, moving to the US for a little bit. He's, he's kind of come back and um, revitalised himself. Um, Tradesbert, what do you reckon? For whatever reason, I still like David Moyes. And I... Uh, uh, t- <laughs> He sets up such a solid back line. I can't see the Borough offence being able to break him down. And as you were elaborating on Defoe before, I still actually rate him as a player. I think Barini has a few tricks up his sleeve, and so does Yemajai. So I'm going to go with the Sunderland 1-0 win. Yeah, I think it's 1-0 to Sunderland from all four of us uh, for this one. I think Sunderland should be pretty tight and defensive at home, but still managed to also um, get over the line and, and get the result with, um, yeah, probably a Defoe goal. I reckon he's looking pretty decent at the moment. Um, the final game of the round is West Ham up against Bournemouth. Um, West Ham looked a bit dodgy against Chelsea, especially with Antonio at right back. I think that was certainly um, not helping them, and, and obviously he was the one that gave away the um, penalty for Hazard. Do we see them performing a bit better at home against Bournemouth in, in the first game at the Olympic Stadium? Um, I'll start with you, Tradesbert. I think this season's going to be a really big season for West Ham um, in, in terms of a lot of the neutral supporters who don't support West Ham actually rate them as an outside chance for that top six. So I'm really, really interested to see whether West Ham can build off of last season or not. I thought they were quite good against... Um, Chelsea and they'll be disappointed to have not got a point there. It's hard to go against them this week. I, I think they'll I think they'll get a win on the board. I'm going to go with a West Ham 2-1 victory. JD? Yeah, I think West Ham will win this. I think Bournemouth, um, again, I don't rate them highly at all. Uh, yeah, Payet, Payet should probably start this game you'd you'd think and if he does I think 2 or 3 nil for West Ham yeah I mean it wasn't great for them with um IU getting injured against Chelsea but I think that sort of makes the decision pretty easy on how to slot Pyatt into the side um Bojan do you see West Ham winning this one as well yeah I mean that I think they're too good defensively like on paper individually a lot of their defenders and midfielders aren't that great but as a, as a collective they're very well coached by Billich and I think that um, you know Bournemouth don't don't have enough in the final third to challenge their defence they, they're still in desperate need of a top line striker but they would kill for Jermaine Defoe right now and I'll tell you that much because they will struggle against good teams that score goals but they should have enough against Bournemouth's defence, so I see them in this 2-0. Yeah, and I think I'm with you on that one with a 2-0 West Ham win. Um, so thanks very much for coming on, boys. We've kind of got through all the games in that one. So, um, yeah, good discussion there. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Uh, and thank you, everyone, yeah, for listening. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening in. Um, until next time, we'll, we'll chat to you on the forums and hope your side wins.